0: We're in a message series called "It's It's Christmas Time," and isn't it interesting? The Christmas season—we, we, in a lot of ways, we measure our lives and various events in our lives by the rotating of the Christmas season. So we started out talking about how it's about time, um, and then uh, today, if I could turn back time, you know, according to the Oxford University Press, time is actually the most common noun. In the English language, we use that word all the time. And sometimes you'd like to turn back time. We're all familiar with regret and remorse, sometimes in little simple ways. Everybody remembers the commercial, don't you? I could have had a V8. What was I thinking? I, had not, I could have had a V8. Some of you, you've experienced buyer's remorse, right? Why not buy that? Why would I spend that money for that thing? And then some of you, you've, uh, you've walked into a restaurant, and you think, I'm going to be so good here in the restaurant, and I'm going to have a grilled chicken salad. That's what I'm going to do. There it is. But then you change your mind, and you have this. It's chicken fried steak. Notice, no greens on that plate either, right? Just chicken, fried steak, lots of gravy. And afterwards, you're thinking, eater's remorse. We all have some what-ifs in life. Uh, Unless you are a toddler or a sociopath, you have some regrets. Some may be small, some may be larger, some may be supersized. Sometimes you'll hear people talk about I want to live with no regrets, and what they sort of mean by that is I want to live with some courage and vitality. There's no one with no regrets. There's an author by the name of Daniel Pink. Here he is. Um, he's written uh, a, a book that I've read recently called The Power of Regret. It's not a, not a Christian book. Uh, he uh, founded uh, in doing doing research, something called the World Regret Project and had 19,000 people who responded to a questionnaire from over 100 different countries. He said, first of all, this idea of no regrets is just absurd. Everyone has regrets. He said he even had a friend who had uh, no regrets tattooed on his arm. And 12 years later, he regretted it <laughs> and had it removed. Tattoo, the tattoo removal business is a $100 million industry in our country right now. Everybody has some regrets. So based on Daniel Pink's uh, research, and he asked so many people to, to respond to several questions, including how often do you look back on your life and wish you'd done something differently he said based on his research he came up with four categories here they are foundational regrets boldness regrets moral regrets relational regrets foundational regrets were things like i wish i had paid attention in math class I, uh, I wish I'd done things, you know, back then, five years ago, ten years ago, back when I was in school, when I, back when I was growing up with my mom and dad, to have set, to set a, a solid foundation for my life. I, I didn't plan well. And so I feel like I've got some catching up to do. So they said some found foundational regrets. Boldness regrets. Played it too safe. Needed to step out there more. push myself a little more if only i'd taken that risk foundational regret foundational regrets if only i'd done that work i'm catching up moral regrets i did the wrong thing it was just wrong and then connection regrets or relational regrets and and it, it He said that these primarily come in the form of either a rift or a drift. A rift, something happened in a relationship, and you know what, I didn't handle that well. I could have handled that better. It was an unnecessary breakage. Or there was a drift. Uh, We were tight, we were close, and then just sort of lost touch with one another, and and then to sort of reconnect, we just feel a little, little awkward. You know, you can relate to all those. I can relate to all those for sure. If you're going to write down the, some information there on your on your notes, if you three categories, if you were to take those four and others, then basically here are three categories, three types of regret. Number one, regrets of action. I did the wrong thing. Secondly, regrets of inaction. And thirdly, regrets of reaction. Something happened in my world, I did not react well. I could have responded differently. I could have taken a higher road. I could have learned something, and I didn't. So I'm going to ask four questions here quickly. First of all, do you know that regrets can be transformational? They can actually be helpful. As we face our regrets, whatever they may be—regrets of action, inaction, reaction—they can be transformational. We learn something about ourselves. We face our own pride. Um, there are a lot of things we learn. Second Corinthians chapter seven verse ten says this: For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin. And results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But there's a worldly sorrow which lacks repentance. And it results in spiritual death. In other words, there is the there are people who deal with their spiritual regret. And they will either try to bury it. I don't want to think about it. Or they will blame, let me find somebody to blame besides me. Or they will beat themselves up without mercy. Because listen, your conscience never knows when to stop beating yourself up. Your conscience will never say enough unless it's been trained by the grace of God. But there is a kind of sorrow, it's godly sorrow, where we are responding to the grace of God, to His mercy, knowing that God gives us permission to come to Him, find healing, find forgiveness. There is atonement, there is forgiveness, there is freshness. And when that person has that kind of godly sorrow that leads to a new beginning, that person becomes useful again to the Lord. Useful again in the kingdom of Christ. And that's a beautiful thing. Let me put four words up here on the screen. Restoration, grace, empathy, wisdom. Those are some benefits that come from facing our regrets in a helpful way. Restoration, where we have the ability to make amends if possible. Grace, where we learn about God's willingness to redeem us and renew us. Empathy, we learn to cut others some slack. And then wisdom. How many of you have ever had this thought? I'm never going back there again. I'm not doing that again. I'm not getting close to the edge again. You see, nobody ever does anything really, really stupid or wrong until they do. And what that means is, until that happens, you know, if I were to fall off the side of this stage, I'd have to get close to it. And a lot of people end up just making one unwise decision it's not wrong it's not immoral it's just unwise and unwise and unwise and unwise and there you go and knowing who you are and your tendencies you have to be aware of that pastor and author andy stanley has written a book called better decisions fewer regrets He says, one of the questions that it's important for you to ask in your life is this What's the wise thing to do? Not, is it wrong? Is it immoral? What's the wise thing to do knowing the kind of person I want to become, knowing the kind of family I want to build? Ephesians chapter 5 says this So be careful then how you live. Don't live like fools. But like those who are wise, and make the most of every opportunity in these evil days, and don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Here's a second question for you. Do you understand that you may not sense some of your regrets? (laughs) And quite honestly, these are some of the most dangerous regrets. Regrets that you don't even sense. You see, some regrets we are intuitively and naturally aware of. Others, we become aware of because we start to understand the will of God. Last week I mentioned this passage of scripture, James 4. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And so here I am floating along then all of I become a Christian, I become aware of the will of God, I go to Bible class, I listen to sermons, and I'm being taught the will of God. And so I'm thinking, okay, here's th- here's some good things I should do. And if I know those good things and I do not do them, that's called the sin of omission. And the sin of omission is so deadly. I mentioned last week how it wrecks marriages so many marriages that end they do not blow up what happens they fizzle out and you ask somebody afterwards and they'll say what happened i don't know i didn't do anything exactly one marriage counselor described uh, one couple he he described them like this he said that's a marriage where you have two ticks and no dog there's no host in that marriage you got two ticks no dog. No one's bringing some energy. I didn't, well, I didn't do anything. I know. You were a passive puddle of protoplasm. And there needs to be some energy here. And think about what happens in churches. There are believers who, they say, well, I'm not attacking the church. I'm not trying to hurt the church. I'm not anti-church. But they don't give. Don't serve. And the good that they could do, the difference they could make, the strength they could bring to the table, and it's not, and they don't regret it. You need to regret it. That's something. There's some regrets that you may not sense that we need to sense. Luke chapter 16, Jesus said this. Here's the lesson: usually, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. And then when your possessions are gone, they'll welcome you to an eternal home. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Here's a third question. Do you know that spiritual and personal help moves you forward? May I speak to you for a moment to those of you who are in the middle of an addiction. It happens. Or you're living with someone who is an addict. There is hope, and you can move forward, but you got to get out of just the sorry cycle. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you can propel yourself forward, but you got to do it in two directions. One is reaching out to that higher power to that higher power the living god but also to people who have the capacity to help and if you're married to somebody or you're close to somebody here they're just they're just stuck in the sorry cycle sex, addi- sex uh, addiction alcohol drugs whatever it might be I think you need to have a conversation that says, look, I love you and I will move heaven and earth to walk with you. But here's something I need to see. I need to see that you are aware this is a problem. This is a problem and it can't go on the same way. We got to get out of the sorry cycle. And then I need to see you get involved in structure. In a 12 step program and celebrate recovery AA. You're going to a counselor who deals, uh, who specializes in this, and, and, and you're going to do that on a weekly basis. And then I need to see you own it. Whereas, where well, I don't have to ask you every week, did you make the appointment? Are you going to go? No, that you own this and, and you'll get there. And, you, and because if you will do that, God has promised he will reach down and he will help. And there are people who can encourage, hold accountable, help cheerlead, and help carry you across a finish line to sobriety. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know you are. I know you are. But let's get into a process that helps you achieve sobriety and put that regret in the rearview mirror. And last of all, do you understand that Jesus Christ came to forgive and atone a billion regrets, including yours and including mine? It's painful to sometimes remember our regrets, and we're going to have more in the future. But it's good up to a point. When we remember them in a way that helps us to cherish the grace of God, that's a beautiful, good thing. When we remember them in a way that paralyzes us and makes us feel like we're in the penalty box always, that makes us feel like, you know, the train has left the station for me. My train has left the station. No, no one hasn't. Jesus Christ came for a billion regrets, yours and mine included. The Apostle Paul did a beautiful thing. He would sometimes challenge us to, to forget and put, put behind and to press on, but he would also tell his own story. Of remembering in a good way. Listen to this from 1 Timothy 1, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This Christmas season we celebrate that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Sinners, And if we didn't need a Savior, if we didn't have regrets, God wouldn't have gone to so much trouble. He wouldn't have expended so much energy to provide a Savior. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he says this, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience with even the worst sinners. Your train has not left the station. Jesus Christ is right there in the station for you. And then others will realize that they too can believe in Him and receive eternal life. Paul says, if I am the worst... And God can redeem and use me. My goodness. He can redeem and use. In fact, some of your regrets even become part of your testimony as well. My friend, on the cross, God honed for our regrets. God dies to pay a debt we couldn't pay. God substitute himself As a sacrifice for our wrongs, God pays redemption a price to set us free. God takes the punishment that should have been ours. And when Jesus says it is finished, he offers us closure. Okay, we all have some what ifs, but we also have a what now? What's next? I hope you'll take your regrets and fly to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've not been baptized into his name, that you'll do that. That if you've been wall from church, from regularly being a part with the body of Christ, you'll remedy that because you need that. And the body of Christ needs you. And God will help you take your regrets. And turn them into a new future. Where your story is wrapped up in God's story. Nothing will erase your past or mine. But there is repentance. There is atonement. There is forgiveness. And that's enough. And so your regrets are just a part of your story. They don't have to be the full and complete story. And they don't define you. But they should remind you of the grace of God that calls you upward and forward. All right. Nearly 30 years ago, my son was having a birthday. He's a, he's a kid, and uh, he's got a bunch of his buddies. We're going to go see a, a, a movie. So I get home. Martha says, you know, Ronnie, you need to be home here at a certain time. And uh, so you're taking, driving a car, I'm driving a car, we got a couple other parents driving a car, and uh, one of the things we're going to do at the party, we're going to see, go see a movie. And so I asked my, my son, Ryan, I said, uh, so Ryan, what, uh, what movie w- are we going to go see? Wh- what's it about? He said, well, it's, it's about this uh, Jamaican uh, bob- bobsled team. And I thought well i'm not going to debate him everybody knows jamaica would not have a bobsled team it never snows in jamaica it's a tropical climate but i'm not going to debate him it's his birthday he's a kid and so we'll we'll see what the movie's going to really be about well it was actually about a jamaican bobsled team and uh, many of you very familiar with the movie cool runnings and um and it's based on a true story where uh, uh, Jamaica for the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary actually had a bobsled team made up of three uh, runners and a pushcart guy. And it's in the movie uh, chronicles that. Now, there are some Hollywoodisms associated with the movie, but in a climactic scene, um, the team they have pushed forward, they have won the respect of many of their competitors and the Olympic community, and and they are postured to actually compete for a medal. And in their race, though, um, something happened with with the bobsled, that's the way the movie portrays it, the actual racers would tell you, we contributed more to that crash than the sled did. And so those crashes you've contributed to what's next what do you do next it's absolutely inspiring to see someone press on and my friends let's continue to be that kind of church where we encourage one another onward and upward and forward we face our regrets we bring them to the lord And we cheer each other on just like heaven, all of heaven, is cheering you on in your faith journey today.